following episode of our podcast covers a sensitive topic of suicide. We understand that suicide is a deeply distressing and serious matter that can profoundly impact individuals and communities. It is important to note that the views expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our podcast or our company. While we strive to provide valuable and informative content, we recognize that discussing topics related to mental health, including suicide, can be triggering or uncomfortable for some listeners. We strongly advise discretion and self-care when engaging with this episode. If you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of self-harm or suicide, we urge you to seek professional help or contact a helpline in your country. This episode is intended for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional medical or mental health advice, diagnosis or treatment. If you have any concerns about your mental health or someone else's mental health, we encourage you to consult with a qualified healthcare professional. We understand the importance of providing our listeners with a safe and supportive environment. Suppose you feel distressed or overwhelmed during or after listening to this episode. In that case, we encourage you to take the necessary steps to prioritize your well-being, such as speaking with a mental health professional or confiding in a trusted person in your life. Remember, you are not alone and there are people who care and want to help. Welcome to Pharmacy View Podcast, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacists and key people within Australian pharmacy and the associated global industry. In this stream of podcast episodes, we discuss with our guests the full scope of leadership tools that go into building the Pharmacy Leaders Toolbox for team and career success. I am your host, Chantelle Turner, pharmacist, leadership coach, and founder of Turn Pharmacy Leadership. My guest today is proudly brought to you by Shopfront Solutions for all your shelf and digital marketing needs, part of the Arion Technologies Group. Hello, everybody. I am so excited that you are here to listen and get to know our guest today. Her name is Ilwu Park. She is a community pharmacist. She practices in rural pharmacy as well, which she is incredibly passionate about. Uh, And she's an owner. And something else that I found that she's really interested in is helping to develop our interns and our next generation of pharmacists so they can practice uh, in the best possible way they can. So welcome so much and thank you so much for being here, Ilwu. Uh, Thank you for having me. No problems. I am really excited to have you on the podcast because something I really believe is that leadership comes in lots of different forms and sometimes our path to leadership can be not the one that is stereotypical or people think uh, everyone should take. So I really would love for you to share your story. So On that note of not being a stereotypical story, I believe your path to pharmacy wasn't necessarily a stereotypical one. So can you explain to our audience how you became to become a pharmacist? Uh, I was uh, a uni student in Korea and couldn't speak in English or couldn't speak in any other language only in Korea. And then, but like in Korea, I don't know many um, people know, but it's very competitive situation. So when you graduate university, just have um, everybody's so competitive. So you gotta have English, uh, fluent English skills, uh, computer skills, and you know so on, so on. So a lot of other skills you need, uh, just additional to your uni graduate certificate. 
But I wasn't really ready. <laughs> I need to have a bit of a time to <laughs> hold the time, you know, before I graduate. So I went to China, but Chinese visa doesn't uh, let you stay there for long term. So I came back to Korea and then did uh, one more year in uni. And then I was a fourth year student. And then I came back, came to Australia as a backpacker. So I did backpacking for two years in Australia. And then... Yeah, I went back to Korea and graduated my university. And then uh, that last semester, my dad was uh, keep saying to me, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And then I just didn't have any plan. So what am I going to do? But then, <laughs> and then I got this English test result from uh, Australia, which called IELTS. The reason I did IH was because I didn't never heard of it. So I just to take the test and then get any 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 mark and then give it to that. It's good mark, you know. That was my plan. But yeah, it must be good enough mark. So it was actually um, a pharmacy school entry mark. It was an academic um, academic IELTS test uh, overall seven. That's what I got from my first result. Yeah, so I applied all you know universities like uh, Canada and Australia, and then I got into Australia, and then I graduated UTES, yeah, and then became pharmacist. So <laughs> fantastic! So what you studied in uh, Korea wasn't pharmacy. So you hadn't done pharmacy over there, but you came over on your holiday um, for a couple of years and that's when you got your eye out and you had something to go back with your dad. Um, is that correct? Yeah. So uh, back, my dad just wanted me to um, learn some English skill. So that was my excuse to come to Australia backpacking. Yeah. So my dad goes, you know, how can you learn English while you're working? How can you learn English on the farm? You need to go to institution, English institution. But I said, I didn't want to waste money. I just felt like, you know, I want to learn real language. So so I learned my English from farm. So my language is quite farmy still. <laughs> And it might be more relatable, maybe in in the the rural communities that you serve now as well. So, yeah. I'm curious, why pharmacy? What what piqued your interest about pharmacy when you decided to apply to uni? Um, Every time I talk about this, I'm a bit guilty to talk about because there are so many passionate pharmacists and out there and I wanted to be pharmacist from born and all, you know, like that. But um, I didn't really think too much about it. Like uh, in Korea, I did my uh, biology degree. So in Korea, when you finish a biology degree, at the time they had the path to go to like a pharmacy school, uh, medical school or dentistry schools and like that. And then few of my um, yeah classmates actually already, you know, went into uh, dentistry and pharmacy and medical school in Korea. So I needed something similar. (laughs) Yeah, so I wanted to um, do, you know, I wanted to become some similar profession. And then, but in Korea, you got to prepare another exam and, but 
in Australia, you they said that no, you just you know start. You can start straight away. So that was a good uh, option for me. And then, um, yeah, so just because of like a peer pressure, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And then I wanted to actually go back to Korea once I finished my degree here. But then I found that you can't go back to Korea, become a pharmacist. Uh, if you finish the overseas um, degree, you have to become qualified pharmacist uh, in that country. Yeah, so I had to do intern and then get the, all the qualification. And then I was going to go back to Korea, but didn't happen. Yeah. Okay. So your path to pharmacy seems like it was almost like a series of fortunate events as opposed to um, a well-curated plan. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I, I didn't know. At the time, I just uh, quite floating. I always call myself, I'm a floater, you know, and then it really stressed me because I like to have a plan like other people do, but uh, I just uh, doesn't, don't, yeah, I think I wasn't in the place that can make any plan. But then nowadays when I think about it, um, yeah, this is just my life. It just <laughs> it's rolling. It has a direction <laughs> itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, Beautiful. Yeah, so it's good. <laughs> Beautiful. So you said that uh, at the time after you finished your uni degree, you needed to become a qualified pharmacist. And I guess um, using your term of rolling, um, that rolled you through to your intern year. So tell us about your intern experience. My intern experience. Um, about seven years after when I finished my intern, I finally I can say it was a good intern experience however the first to seven years and I really I was very angry about that um yeah my intern experience I wouldn't wish for anyone else and any other people just so yeah um it was a I, I was quite suicidal yeah so I really think about like a quitting all the time I was hired as an intern, but first six months, I all I did was like a, at the till and then sweeping the floor, stacking the shelf, and that's all I allowed to do. And then I didn't complain, but of the half when first half is half is gone, I requested, um, can I learn some dispensary work because my exams coming. And other interns apparently do the counseling practices and stuff. Can I learn how to dispense and, you know, things like that? And then the real big problem started. Yeah. So yeah. first half year, maybe it, I didn't learn much. Um, I did only just like a tills and stocking shelves and sweeping the floor. But still it was a, like a good work environment. But when I asked her, can you train me, like, you know, as an intern, then uh, the assistants actually uh, had had a fun, yeah, some funny feeling about me. So it started really agony. When the regular pharmacist left, suddenly this assistant just said, um, 
I'm never, I actually don't know how to dispense and how to order anything, but they just left to me with the, like a 75 years old locum in the dispensary. Oh, you are the intern pharmacist and you do it. You do it. Yeah, so I actually basically read all that, the dispensing menu. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was crying and then read the manual and how to find there how to order and wow it must have been such a challenging time for you so did you end up sitting your intern exam at the end of that year yeah I did and I failed for the first one but oh. then everybody the when I so you have a day off to sit, you know, go to internal exam and then come back. And then everybody knows when the result actually released. And then the assistant said, how did you go? I like that. I said, um, I passed, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I didn't. And then um, after the internal exam, I really didn't want to breathe the same air with these people. And I mm-hmm. actually thought the pharmacy was just a, yeah, just a, I just couldn't imagine myself working in a pharmacy any at all. So mm. I know I need to pass the exam, but I just didn't want to work in a pharmacy. So yeah. I actually left to the country, and went back to Korea and did traveling other countries, and then, mm. um, but then. After that, PS, at the time, PSA, the where I did my intern program, they helped me a lot. They uh, keep telling me I need to work, you know, I need to practice the counseling. And I just said, I know I need to, but how can I? I can't get a job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but, so, yeah, at the time, the, in 2015, yeah, the PSA Tasmania really helped me to find a job. And so I did, I worked a part-time assistant in other pharmacy. Yeah, great. So um, you skip forward for me for, so when did you end up resitting your intern exam and and passing it? Um, so I failed the November 2014 exam and then... Yep. I sat again in June 2015, and then I passed that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So, it sounds like the the challenges that you had through what was meant to be your one and only intern year uh, were absolutely harrowing. And as you said, you wouldn't wish that on anyone to have the same intern experience. Um, And you mentioned at the time you were really timid. So what do you think helped you navigate those challenges at the time to get to the point of finishing your internship? Um, In 2014, I was a real mess. (laughs) Every day I cry. And then I actually start practice how to say swear word. <laughs> so I never used it. I never used it still. But I come home and then I write a, uh, the dialogue. Today she said this, but I didn't say anything back to her. 
So I come home and cry. I was just so angry. So yeah. I just imagined what I would like to tell her, you know, straight away. And then my English was quite slow. I wasn't speaking this fast, this speed. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote this dialogue and then I speak out loud. And then I took that dialogue to my next to door neighbor, elderly lady. <laughs> and then I said, if I use the F word, where do I need to put in? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, she and her daughter-in-law helped me where to put the F word in in that conversation. And then I bring it home. And then in my room, I just uh, speak out loud and shout out loud. <laughs> and then I do that over time, over and over by myself. And then mm-hmm. um, actually at that time, it was great because with that period, uh, in that period, my English speed really improved. And then my English become more natural. Yeah. <laughs> and then I didn't really mean to learn more English, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's how it happened. And then I, um, my mom, my mom, I always think about my mom because my dad was really against of me going to overseas. He didn't want to support my school at all, but my mom really nearly, you know, begged my back and then got me school fees. And so I need to, you know, make my mom to be proud of me. Yeah, yeah. so I had to finish. I, and I know there is no other way. I have to finish this. Yeah. So it sounds like there's lots of internal strength that you had there. But it was a really interesting point that you said you went home and reflected on the situation that had been horrible, which, you know, you'd be well and truly for, forgiven for thinking you want to put that in your backpack and never want to think about it again. Um, mm-hmm. But you pulled it out and you thought about it and you wrote um, what you would have liked your response to be and whether that was politically correct or not, it doesn't really matter. It was about finding, I guess, assertive language um, that would build up your confidence. And that had to be done in private. Uh, So did you ever get to the point of being able to talk more assertively? Yes. Um, um, uh, I think it was like two weeks before my ending day. So my ending day was already set. So it's 1824 hours. And then that's the finish time. So I knew it was, in my memory, could have been 3rd December, it must be Friday, 3 o'clock. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm not sure it was right, but Friday, 3 o'clock, it was, yeah, that was the time I finished. And then two weeks before, and I was doing the methadone, you know, preparation at the bench at in the dispensary and then my little where this big wallet was uh, at the corner of the methadone bench because uh, um we in the pharmacy we had a doctors coming and using counseling room and then that's always mm-hmm. my lunch time so i can't get to my locker so my you know wallet was outside like that anyway i method you know i when i had to serve the methadone person and then come in and then 
this big, huge yellow uh, handbag was on the top of the my bench. It was an assistant, you know, bag. And then, mm, what's this? Anyway, I just put that into the, uh, you know, stool there. And then I did, you know, preparing another methadone and then went to another you know, patient and then served and then come back. And then this bag was on top again. And then I just well, I can't do anything with this bag on this one. So I just put it back and then I asked And then I just did one more time. And then this bag was on top again. So it's three times. I have this number three. I always do things, everything three times. And then that's my limit. <laughs> yeah, so I asked her, uh, what's your reason your bag have to you know, be on my methadone bench? And then she said, your wallet is on the bench. So is my bag. And then I just said, so it's in, there, is there any other reason beside my wallet? And then she said, no, just your wallet there, so my bag has to be there. And then, anyway, I actually don't know what it was, but in my brain, there was a little line there, and then I can feel it's like a ting, like that, that's it, it's linked. And then I just picked the bag. I wasn't this character at all. And then they, uh, so I picked the bag and then I smashed it onto the ground. And then I just said, I don't know how it sounds, but um, I, I treated everybody with respect all along. But I just said to her, um, in, uh, okay, I, w I don't want to say this, but Intern's wallet on the bench, your bag on the ground. I gave you enough chance to move your bag to your locker, but you chose this way, and then I'm choosing this way. Anyway, uh, she's just uh, looking at the pharmacist, and pharmacist there to listen all. He was listening. <laughs> this is a different pharmacist. This is just my last preceptor. Yeah. And then he was he was listening all, but didn't do anything. But then suddenly this assistant said, calling his name, "Oh, did you did you see this?" And then she started crying. And then this pharmacist walked towards me, Ew. and I just said, "No, you haven't said one word every time, single time when I was in bad situation. Don't say one word today." Keep the fairness. I'm going on lunch. So I just picked my wallet. I went out for lunch. And then um, while I'm you know, out, you know, having my lunch for 30 minutes, my heart was racing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What did I do? What did I do? And then I, and I was just so nervous and then so scared. And then yeah. half an hour later when I went back to pharmacy and um, nobody said anything. Everybody doing their work. And so until then, when I'm in the dispensary, when I get the basket, this assistant always throw a basket at me. And then yeah. from that afternoon, this assistant actually not throwing basket at me. Yeah. Wow. wow. And then <clears throat> I actually felt very funny. And then nobody said anything until 5.30 when we finish. And I go home, 
And I just suddenly, I just really cried a lot. I cried that really a lot that night. Why didn't I do this earlier? Wow. So I'm curious, do you, what do you think happened in that moment um, in the relationship between you and this pharmacy assistant? What do you think changed? Um, I think she understood maybe I'm not being silent anymore. Yeah. I can keep, I can, you know, I can actually um, use, I don't know. I, I don't actually know what happened. Just, uh, um, I, for the, re- about a few months back, like maybe one month or two months before that happening, I keep thinking, why do I have to keep other people's emotion when I cannot look after my emotion, you know? Mm. And then yeah. I need to say something to her, but I'm scared of I'm hurting her emotion. But then just, does she ever think about my emotion? No, I don't think she does. And but and then if I say nothing and she, you know, she think it's, a, you know, I'm hurting my emotion by myself because I'm not doing anything. And so I yeah. thinking about this thing. And then at the time, I, I, I don't know, I didn't really think in depth. Just, I was that angry, but then I just couldn't stop, you know, couldn't hold my anger anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that, that you say that because uh, I'm a global disc practitioner and we talk about the four behavioural styles or the personality types in disc and the greater the gap in the way we communicate and we behave, the greater the friction there is, right? And when there's friction, that can mean communication goes astray or one particular um, person might be louder in the conversation than the other and the other one's not heard or understood. And it sounds that you might have matched her intensity, um, not using the swear words, not being um, rude, but matched her level in communicating in a way that maybe she understood uh, as well and increased um, the level of respect that she had in that moment too. Actually, um, um, Yeah. yeah, I think what you're saying is really right. I had another experience when I moved the pharmacy when I become a pharmacist, but yeah, yep. when when you actually sh- sh- uh, treat exactly return the impact they gave me, yeah, then they change mm-hmm. their attitude. It sounds like through your intern experience that um, starting off timid internally practicing, you know, different ways to be able to communicate and then um, finally getting the confidence to be able to articulate what you really wanted to say uh, at times. So skip forward and tell me what you're doing now. Uh, I'm a pharmacist in Auckland, Tasmania, and then I've been there for five and a half years now. And then, yeah. I just got my partnership from this year. Wow. So from a timid person who didn't really know that she wanted to be a pharmacist but just had to choose something to the horrible intern experience, um, 
to now being a partner in a pharmacy, in a rural pharmacy. Fantastic. So what lessons do you think you've learnt along the way that hold you in good stead now? Mm, there's not a bad experience. Wow. Yeah. Not a bad experience. Tell me more about that. Um, I thought that there was just a horrible experience when I did my intern and I never, ever do this, you know, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible. I couldn't find any other word, any page, any positiveness there. But mm. when I become pharmacist and then when I got a job and I was a, the, junior, the youngest pharmacist of five pharmacists, it was a big pharmacy. And then I was a very, you know, smiley. <laughs> I am smiley. <laughs> Yeah, so these assistants who are there for, you know, more than 10 years, um, they just obviously, you know, I'm younger. <laughs> I'm younger, less experienced. So I like to have a bit of a power game. And I don't, I don't, I want to get on well, but I want to do my pharmacist job. And then, you know, I think there are specialty what assistants should do too. And then yep. we, you know, we need each other respect. Anyway, um, yeah. So this one assistant, uh, everybody was really good and respectful, but one assistant liked to do some power game. So she just uh, keep giving me the basket like a like a bit of a straw. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> anyway, I just uh, didn't didn't say much, and then but at third day maybe, and I just uh, throw the basket back. Like when I, yeah, so I did the dispensing, and then after the you know dispensed, and then I throw. But then she didn't catch it at the end of the you know bench, so it falls on off the bench, and then the basket and uh, repeats everywhere. And then normally I, if I just do that, I just go in and you know help her pick it up. But I I don't it deliberately this time. <laughs> <laughs> because and then I just said, "Oh, sorry. I thought you like uh, throwing things." <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, anyway, um. So, but I think I got that learned from the other experience, and then over time, I kind of was thinking, I can be still smiley and chatty, but. Some things I need to be really assertive. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's yeah. like a pick and choose. You can't be assertive all the time. You can't be serious all the time. So I don't have to change myself. I'm still chatty and laughing and, you know, funny. But some things, if I think it's important, I don't, I need to go my way and then I need to show people this is my way. And then I need to earn my respect. Yeah, so earning respect. I, I think people, are normally good, well-mannered people should respect naturally, but sometimes people don't do that. Then... Mm -hmm. You don't request them to respect me. You need to earn your own their respect. And then I need to find my way to earn it. And then um, and then 
particularly with that assistant, I uh, I was really showing my competency with the customers and patients. I really, particularly front of that assistant, I just go through really thorough counseling. <laughs> so I am yep. pharmacist, you know. I am not your younger sister. Yeah. <laughs> I am pharmacist here. <laughs> Yeah, so I really want her to see it and then feel it. Yeah, so I don't want, yeah. I didn't treat her, you know, badly. Just that was one episode. And then after that, I just mm-hmm. tried to earn my respect from her. And I just, sometimes I call her and then I just did the SS2, SS3, you know, counseling, um, you know, like a, what's that? Yeah, helping her how to, you know, improve herself as well. Yeah. Yeah. And how how did has that uh how did that improve the relationship? What was the outcome there in helping in acting in a way and behaving in a way that uh earned her respect? Um so firstly after I said that oh I thought you like us you know throw and catch. <laughs> She just uh, never throw the basket again. Yeah, that fixed that part. And then I don't want her to take it personally and then become nasty. So yeah. that's why I just is uh, helping her to improve her knowledge about S2 and S3. And then I, when yeah. she said, somebody wants to see pharmacist, then I just go in and I said, um, and then I, particularly front of her, act very professionally towards our customers. <laughs> and yeah. then, yeah, and I think, yeah, we didn't have any issue. And then I really, um, when I left the pharmacy, uh, I really liked, uh, yeah, liked her as much as the others. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So the challenges that you had through your internship and not really speaking up for a year and a half, um, the lesson was learnt to be able to, as you said, be more assertive um, in the situations where you really needed the assertive behaviour and it took, I guess, a lot of pain out of the situation or frustration uh, or confusion, misunderstanding. There's lots of words we could use there um, that being able to communicate assertively minimised as well. And it sounds like you got a positive outcome with the relationship as well. And then not only that, because I spend uh, six months on the floor, I know what needs to be done. I know what, how to do. So when it's when they're really yeah. really busy, then I just give them hand, you know. Give I just uh, yeah. They don't know my job or your job. When it's when jobs needs to be done, I can do it. I can be helpful. And then some junior assistant, mm. I can teach them how to count to two more efficiently. And then <laughs> this is uh, apparently I didn't know that, but apparently this is not other pharmacists don't do. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of many. Normal jobs, more, you know, more just in, jobs yeah. in the pharmacy. I am actually better than other assistants. So mm. I think that's another way of uh, getting the um, respect. She's not only know about what's in the textbook, she also knows just normal work. Yeah. 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 So walk and being able to, um, as you said, you like being nice to people. Um, yeah. So jumping in 
and helping people is part of your DNA, so showing that in a way as well. So how have the lessons that you've had um, shaped how you lead others? Because I know this is another thing that you're really passionate about. Mm, Just to be the model. Yeah. Be the model. Yeah. Great. Yeah, because um, I was very disappointed and when I did my intern, so first thing I asked my preceptor, can you do some quiz with me? And then uh, the preceptor said, um, my preceptor never done anything with me. Why should I do anything with you? He actually said this. Yeah. And then at the time I just thought, if I become a pharmacist, I'll never become this preceptor like this man. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah. That's what I always think to myself when I come. I don't have an intern, but we can have sometimes a student. Then I just like to, um, the I want I trying to be the preceptor I wish I could have. Yeah, I wish I had. Yeah, so beautiful. We had um. Elise Apolloni on the podcast um, a while ago and she used the phrase of being the change you wish to see and that sounds like what you're trying to do as well. Yeah, but I'm not human too so (laughs) I don't do that perfectly or everything 100%. Yeah, but I, tr- yeah, I, I try. <laughs> yeah, I try. I <laughs> try. And that's all we can do. So if you had some advice for some pharmacists that were in a similar challenging situation to those that you faced in the past, what would your advice be for them? I always say um, there's not a bad experience. <laughs> yeah. And then, there's it, not a bad experience. Yeah. And then... Um, also, I always say is um, don't try to blame everything else and not you, you know. So when I did my intern, uh, what I think was how can I do anything here, you know, not wishing, I wish mm. she doesn't talk to me like that. I wish my preceptor helped me a better way. I didn't do that. I just uh, how okay so leave those people as they are I'm not gonna change them (laughs) but yeah for me what can I do here that is incredibly powerful so in emotional intelligence we actually talk about that you know we are not in control or responsible for other people's emotions but what we are in control of is how we come to the situation as well and that really demonstrates our authenticity so it's being able to communicate act and behave in a way that we can be heard uh, by the other people so yeah asking what what am I contributing to the situation and how can I positively influence it is is a great one because you're right we can't change the people on the other end Mm. Uh, unfortunately we can only change how we show up that is fantastic advice and if you were giving some advice to preceptors out there um, or intending preceptors what what advice would that be please care Please care. Oh, how powerful. <laughs> Two very, very powerful words. Yeah. Please care. Um, I'm doing rapid fire questions here, but the next question I had here, um, because this whole conversation and your story in itself is just 
an absolute wealth of gold because it really shows how someone who has had those challenging situations can navigate and learn. And as you said, um, learn from um, never having a bad experience and turning those into learning opportunities. So the next question on my list here is in terms of frontline leadership, what do you think pharmacists or pharmacy needs right now? Uh, if we talk about whole pharmacist then we need to know we are pharmacist. So don't divide into like a, you know, <laughs> just all different branches. <laughs> yeah, we need to work together yes. as a pharmacist in Australia. Yeah. And then uh, for the pharmacy, um, just to do the basic, just to do basic well. Um, so... With my assistants, I always ask them, um, you know, when they do SS2 and SS3 training, there are certain questions you need to ask. Don't think you are doing anything extra. You are trained. So apply your what you learned. So, yeah, so in my pharmacy, it's a very um, religiously we ask all the questions if anybody buys anything. And then even toilet paper, when people bring to the counter, we say, is uh, anything else you need? And then if somebody goes, oh, you just, you know, like a, you know, maybe not toilet paper, but just like a tissue, box of tissues. And then, yeah, oh, I yeah, a bit of my sniffing nose, you know, lately. And then, in the, you know, I'm driving in the car and, oh, okay, would you like to try anything? And then, oh, do you have anything? Then we can sell like a, a saline spray. It's not about only sales. It's just so bad. The persons, what they need, we need to ask what they need, and then actually provide actually something help them. Yeah, but yeah, often not people not even doing the in the you know the S two S three questioning or pharmacist. When I did in pharmacy in Utah, we said um. Talk to the person if it's a new medication. Talk to the person about the medication, how it works, and how to take it, and then, you know, what to watch out for, and then uh, lifestyle advice. But then, often when I talk to people like that, uh, people go, oh, God, no one talked to me like this. And then uh, I can feel... Uh, this person never had this uh, metformin before, and then I can see he had he been out of pharmacy for twice, and now I'm doing the third repeat. And then I said, "How are you going? How you do you do your blood sugar level? And then do you know what's your blood sugar level? And then nah. And then I said, "What do you eat? And then like you know things like that. I do. What did you eat last night? And what kind of food do you eat? And they always said, um, "Oh, never talk to me like this." And then I said, uh, make sure you take with this with the food. And then, oh, really? And then I said, do you have any diarrhea? And he goes, is it this one cause? Uh, you know, things like that. 
Yeah. Just a, yeah. And you're right. It is it is the basics, but yeah. it's we do need to do these things well. And I do think it comes back to pharmacists having their own accountability and coming from that place of wanting to care and help people that really holds others um, accountable in doing that as well as you are doing with your pharmacy assistance, because that does provide health outcomes and does provide um, health solutions for yeah. for our patients oh. as well. I don't um, it doesn't need to be rocket science. It doesn't need to be hard. It needs to be simple and executable regularly <laughs> as opposed to intermittently. I don't worry about doing the extra, but I like to do basic correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. And it's, the, it's the foundations and it, it's where everything starts. So the last question I want to ask is you're building a leader's toolbox and I want to know if you were building this toolbox, what is the one tool that you would put in for all the pharmacists out there? Responsibility. Oh, I really like that one. That's a new one. We haven't had that one and I do like it. Tell me more. Um, I think the bad experience, experience no no not bad experience unpleasant mm-hmm. experience i had was because yeah. the people wasn't uh, didn't take their responsibility so like a preceptors didn't think this intern is not my responsibility that's not my responsibility how my assistant to behaving is not my responsibility that's why it happened and then also like a um, uh, when I'm going through that things, um, I try not to blame other people. I want to take my own responsibility. Um, how can I stop this? And what am I doing to provoke this? And you know t- things like that. And and then yeah. And then um, so and then when you give out the medication to patients. It's your part of your responsibility, this person's medication treatment going well or not. So yeah. once it goes out, I think it's uh, as a pharmacist or what people and a pharmacy assistant who's helping to sell, it's our responsibility to this person taking correctly. And then a month or two later, follow-up question is my responsibility to ask that question as well. So, yeah, so I just think, you know, being responsible for my own action and then what I am um, managing, yeah, that's important. Mm. Absolutely. Um one thing that I always like to ask my clients, um, which is a really challenging question sometimes, is what am I contributing to the problem? And it's kind of the inverse of what you're saying about responsibility. You know, what am I choosing not to own um, and what am I choosing not to do? So uh, I think that's a, br- a beautiful and really powerful uh tool to add to the toolkit, um, being responsible for your own actions. And through this whole conversation, through some really harrowing experiences, uh, even when you were timid and you didn't have the capacity to be assertive, um, you can see how that internal 
responsibility of how you were showing up for that situation um, really held you instead. And if you weren't responsible for that, you probably wouldn't have taken the actions to be able to gain the skills to be able to communicate assertively, learn from those challenging situations and now be paying it forward and supporting our next generation of pharmacists, whether that is when you do have an intern or when your pharmacy students come along and then also, of course, with your pharmacy assistants as well. So thank you so much for sharing your story so vulnerably today as well. Uh, It's not the the prettiest story. It, It might be uncomfortable for some people, but it is really, a living lesson of how leadership of self can help to steer the course through challenging times um, to, yeah, brighter and more um, positive days. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It has been truly a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today on the Pharmacy View podcast. And don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment if you found this episode of value or have feedback. Podcast episodes are promoted through social media, LinkedIn, YouTube, and major podcast mediums. And each episode can be found on the Pharmacy View webpage with links to guest contact and business detail. If you're a pharmacist or industry support supplier who would like to join us on an episode, send us a message through LinkedIn or complete an inquiry form on the Pharmacy View webpage. I am your host, Chantelle Turner, pharmacist, leadership coach, and founder of Turn Pharmacy Leadership. And on behalf of Shopfront Solutions and Arion Technologies, thanks again for joining us today on the Pharmacy View podcast.